Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing. And that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Amazing Radio. I am your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, DJ Mark. Sup? Also with me, Kid Presentable. Heyo. Finally, also joining us, Lavender Gooms. There are nine days before Christmas, fellas. Whoa, start the countdown. Hope you've been popping your advent calendars. And whoever I got for our, our It's Amazing Secret Santa, your gift just arrived in the mail today. So nice. I will have it by the time I'm, we do this thing. I'm still agonizing over what to get the person I got because Secret Santa is always, uh, you know, worry me. And I always stress too much about what to get the person. So this has been a fun experience for me. If my, I got Mike, I'm going to tell him I hate it. I hate it, Mike. You, you, you've got the Mike, wrong thing. You got nothing to worry about. You're coming over here. When you're in the airport lounge, you just look at what magazine seems appealing. <laughs> and you grab three of those and done and done. So if you get the I Heart SF sweater, you know it was for Mike. And you probably also know he went over our budget. <laughs> um, my gifts all include gift receipts. So... <laughs> <laughs> got a lot of confident people in their shopping ability. Hey, man, I don't like giving gifts. I don't like getting gifts. <laughs> right? It's just humbug over there. Yeah, um, that's I don't, that's fine. Um, all right, boys and girls, uh, three title fights, a four-hour main card. Um, UFC 245 in the books, the last pay-per-view of 2019. There is one more event by the UFC um, planned for 2019. It's this coming Saturday morning. The crack of fucking dawn for us here. Actually, at 2 a.m. for us here. Crack of dawn for Mike. Um, from uh, Busan, South Korea. Uh, headlined by Korean Zombie and Frankie Edgar. But uh, two, UFC 245 requires some analysis. Um, Kamaru Usman, Colby Covington um, had themselves, had two, had two wrestlers out there. So fuck it. Let's have a kickboxing match. Um, Max Holloway and Alexander Volkanovsky. Uh, got ourselves a new featherweight champion, and Amanda Nunes beat Jermaine Randomy like she owed her money. Um, couple other big fights in the main card. Um, but let's get into it. Kamara Usman, Colby Covington went at it for 25 hard minutes. Um, lots of real tense. Um, the crowd chanting USA, which Kamara Usman said those people were chanting USA for me because I'm more American than this motherfucker ever was, which. I like it. Those of us I who are children, those of us who are children of immigrants, really appreciating Kamar Usman's efforts during this entire thing. Um, five round fight ended with fifty seconds left in the fifth round, with Mister Covington on his ass, covering his head from a TKO at the hands of Usman. Uh, we had uh, one judge have it three one going into the fifth, another one have it two two, and a third one who had the wrong scorecard for sure one uh, three one in favor of Covington. Um, I actually watched this again Sunday morning, um, to get a better idea of the scorecards. And yeah, three one Covington is trash. Marcus, um, really a story of one guy just hits harder than the other guy. I think. 
mostly in this one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what we thought potentially might come of this fight and what uh, uh, actually happened. I was kind of hoping Usman, or at least one of these guys, would initiate some grappling. There was literally none. These dudes didn't even clinch up. Even when Covington got dropped, he still didn't clinch. It was like these guys just wanted to strike. Um, yeah, so I mean, the, the story of the fight was really, Usman was getting, you know, the bigger power punches, but volume was uh, Kobe Covington. And honestly, uh, it, it was a pretty good fight. You know, I think going into this fight, it had a lot of potential to be really boring you know if these guys did clinch up a lot and just it was all wrestling and it was just you know them negating each other um but they they stood and and swung at each other and you know a lot of people um discredit colby just because of his persona which i mean i totally understand he is (laughs) i mean he's trying to get under your skin and to be kind of an asshole so I, i don't begrudge people that kind of don't really give him the credit that i think he deserves but you know, this dude is a pretty good fighter. He strikes in volume. He's not afraid to pull the trigger. And, you know, and I think one of the things that, that Stefan kind of pointed out and what gives Covington, you know, a lot of his ability to throw a lot is guys afraid of the wrestling. And uh, I, I remember Steph said, like, you know, I don't think that's going to come into play in this fight. But honestly, Covington just pulls trigger. And I I really respect that. And I think we talked to them about the Max Holloway fight. That's a guy who did not pull the trigger enough in this fight. But I've always, you know, basically when I saw this new version of Kobe Covington was when he fought Robbie. And I was super impressed. Dude pulled the trigger all fucking night on that kid. And he can punch hard. He's a, you know, Robbie can be a really good counter puncher. Uh, But, you know, like Stefan said, I think in that fight, the threat of the takedown definitely was there. And it kept Robbie on his uh, toes. But in this fight, you know, they just struck at each other. And Usman did a really good job. And we've seen this in a couple fights where... He's going into deep water. He's going into the fifth, and he still has that explosive energy. You know, he, he this was a hard-fought fight. Uh, Covington was throwing a lot at him and was landing good shots. None of them really hurt. And throughout this fight, I started making the joke that fighting Covington is just fighting fear. There's nothing to fear with his strikes. He throws a lot of them. You have to push through and strike through it. And once Usman did that and he's he found a home for his straight right, uh, the writing was on the wall. He dropped Covington in, late in the fifth, dropped him on his ass, really hurt him. Uh, as he got back up, he dropped him again. That second punch wasn't as damaging as the first. He he countered him off a hook, which kind of threw him off. Covington went for a takedown and was sprawled out. And Usman just started landing some hammer fist. And watching it again, you know, when we first saw it, I was like, mm, it might have been a little early. Watching it a second time, I was like, eh, it's not too bad. He landed four hammer. It's just, it's not a great, it wasn't the best call. Honestly, I think, I think ultimately it wasn't the best time to stop it. I think the right guy won. So it's like, it doesn't really matter. I think kind of not giving Covington the bending, the benefit of the doubt. Not a lot of people are going to have their feelings hurt because no one liked this fucker anyways. Marcus, like. Uh, you, um, I want, I watched it again. And when we watched it, you had more of a problem stoppage than I did, but. After I watched it again, I'm just like, he was done. Like, I don't know. I don't know what he what we were going to give him the benefit. I mean, he got dropped. It's not like, I don't know. I thought like, I don't think the, the referee maybe is viewing it in just a vacuum in that exact moment of what happened. Like, he was getting bombed on, and then he got dropped twice. And he was covering up, but that's not enough. Right. Well, I mean, we've seen can, people stop. Can, we've, we've seen people stop for less damage and, being done. And you, you stop the fight when the fighter's not intelligently defending himself. And he probably he was going for a single. He started getting hammer fist. And there's probably two punches in there where 
he wasn't really going for the single anymore. He was just kind of covering up. I think you can let that go a little bit longer, and it really solidifies it. Because honestly, he wasn't in that position super long. He didn't get, and honestly, two. I mean, probably he probably threw about eight hammer fists. I think a couple of them missed. Three of them were probably blatantly to the back of the head, and then the ending ones were to the side. They were legal shots. Um, I just think you could have you could have let it go on a little bit longer and see. Because I mean, look, this guy put in four hard rounds. The scorecard was really close. Look, at no one likes this guy. So no one really wants to give him the benefit of the doubt, but he's a fighter. He kind of deserves to look at he in both times he got dropped. He was he didn't go unconscious, right? He got dropped on his ass and he immediately moved, started defending himself, went for the takedown. I don't have much of a problem with the stoppage. Like I said, watching it the second time, it seemed like those last two hammer fists, he wasn't really going for the the takedown anymore. He was mostly just covering up. I think it would have just played a little better if you let it go. I mean, even if it went to the judge's scorecard, I think Usman gets the nod anyway. So that's why ultimately it being a little bit early doesn't really detract. Anything. Yeah, we're not really, you're not really hearing anybody complain about it. And the people who are complaining about it are the Colby fans who are also complaining about a fake eye poke, which was right in the motherfucker's eyes. Um, so uh, those people don't really don't have, don't really live in reality. So I, we're not, I mean, most people who, no, most people don't seem to have a problem with the stoppage unless, you had a big stake in Mr. Covington winning. Um, he maybe broke his jaw, it sounds like. Um, so um, let me ask, let me guys look at the other guys in here. Mike, you have a problem with the stoppage? Uh, no, I didn't have a problem with the stoppage, although I will say that I haven't been able to see exactly where those hammer fists were going. Um, because the stream I saw, uh, maybe about the bottom bottom quarter of the screen was cut off. You mean the pay-per-view you, you watched and ordered legally was lagging at the moment you watched that thing. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah, of course. That's what I meant. Um, but from everything that I read online, um, it wasn't the worst stoppage in the world. There have been much more egregious early stoppages. So if you're basing it against just history um you know you can't get too mad at it i guess colby could but pretty much everyone else can't um and i'm sorry what was the rest of your question bob that was really it no okay there you um, go steph your thoughts really on the fight at all itself and if you had any issue with how it ended my my only problem with the stoppage is um yeah kamaru could have just hit him more he could have beat him more, beat, made that face uglier. That's the um, other argument I hear. That, that's really that's that's my only issue with the stoppage. I would have loved to have seen him kill Colby. Colby said he wanted to be killed or be killed. Yeah, I would have been fine if Kamaru just punched him into a coma. Um, oh no, so, you don't need that stuff. I co-sign what Stefan just said. I, I do, Mike. Is, okay, uh, let me well, let me get into this right now. Pardon, pardon, pardon me, Stefan. Okay, this is what's happening now. I've I've. Anybody who's out there saying, oh, Colby got people to care about him, and oh, Colby did this, and oh, you know, you're all getting worked like some mark. I don't sure you realize the level of professional wrestling fan me, Stefan, and Mark were when we were younger, okay? Don't come to us with your, you're getting worked bullshit, okay? This isn't a fucking story, okay? This piece of shit, whether he believes it or not, which doesn't matter. It does not matter if he believes the words are coming out of his mouth or not. He is playing on the racism and homophobia of a large percent of this country that helped elect a fucking criminal as the president of the United States. So don't come at me with like, fuck you. 
No, criminal. All right, he admitted to it. All right, he did the shit. Yeah. They admitted to it. He did it. All right, we, we, we got a going... fucking kangaroo court going on next week in a couple weeks here in the Senate where he somehow gets acquitted. Okay, that aside, he found a way to get himself famous. You know what? Good for him. A whole bunch of people enjoyed him getting knocked out. Okay, hashtag MAGA jaw was trending for a fucking day because everybody enjoyed, particularly Black Sports Online, a wonderful website if you want to visit it, really enjoyed Kamaru Usman knocking him the fuck out. Yeah, I mean, that injury is extremely poetic. Yeah, for and a guy that's a mountain of shit that he gets his jaw broken, it's just like, so don't, so don't come at me with this, we're getting worked bullshit. He acted like a shitty person. He either is, he is one. That's what it means. Your actions and words matter. You're not playing a fucking character. This isn't fucking, you're not on fucking True Detective or, I don't know what with that show, Watchmen or fucking any other goddamn show, all right? This is how you act. This is how I presume you to be. Don't show me your video clip of I'm playing a character and that. Fuck you, okay? Fuck him. Fuck everybody supports him. And if you're one of those people, by the way, who calls Kamara Usman Marty, you're racist. Is name, by the way, you're is fucking racist. Like, no, what is that? What's he up just, with he, that? man. Let me tell you, when you're a fucking immigrant, or in my case, the child of an immigrant, and you got a funny sounding name, you just take another one just to get people to say something that's easy. You make it easier for them to say your name. You just roll with that shit. And Kamar Usman had the audacity to go by Marty. It's like the people who are just like call Obama Barry. They're called fucking racists. That's what those people are. All right. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised, Bob, if some people growing up thought your full name was Robert just because yeah. you would say, my name's Bobby. Yeah. So, so guess what, Mike? They're fucking racist, all right? Well, Every I'm, time I, I call I'm Bobby Bobby in the office, I'm a fucking racist. That is not at all my argument, but sure. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah. I'm. We're, we're, he, he's not the champion. And God willing, I never have to see him in a title fight ever again. But they should just book him against Tyron Woodley because that's what they're going to do, and they might as well get cash that paycheck too. Stefan, sorry, I'm the one who I cut you off at the beginning of this. I don't know what you want me to say, Bobby. <laughs> you kind of. What do you think about Woodley and Covington? As um, a that's a fight to make. That's a fight to make. We're going to keep this him losing to uh, black wrestler power hitters trains going. And to be clear, um, Woodley would hit him. Woodley would hit him so hard he's not going to wake up. Right. <laughs> I, also, I also wouldn't say that's the worst matchup job because of the lose to a black wrestler angle, but just because those are the two guys that lost to Kamaru lost last. Well, that was the fight they should have booked. I mean, my, that's my, my plan for Colby is he loses to Tyron next, and then he is cut. Have him lose to the two black men, and then he's gone. He's um, gone. Let's talk about the champ here. Um, Dana White wants him to fight Jorge Masvidal. I want Jorge Masvidal to fight the winner of Conor McGregor and Donald Cerrone. And I think me and Jorge Masvidal feel the same way. What do you think, Mike? It doesn't seem that Camaro even wants to fight Jorge because if you watch the, the post-fight press conference when he was asked about Jorge Masvidal, um, I don't think he was playing or you know doing an act when, when he was asked specifically about Jorge Masvidal. He just went, who? I think Kamaru's just bad at shit talk, to be honest, because I think he has to recognize if he doesn't fight uh, Tori Masvidal, they're going to ask him to fight Leon Edwards, and they're going to put that uh, on ESPN Plus for free. Which, that is actually, it's a good thing you would bring that up, because after he made it seem as if he didn't know who Jorge Masvidal was, he did bring up people he think are is are deserving, 
and he talked about Leon Edwards, saying specifically that Leon was in is in the same position he was in a year ago. You know, having won seven or seven or eight in a row, and nobody wanting to fight him. So he did allude to that. He thought that Leon Edwards was the more deserving. Well, you person. know what? If he wants to bring be the man to bring a meritocracy back to this fucking sport, God bless Kamara Usman then, because he doesn't like money. I mean, hey man, not everybody's in it for the money, but when you're getting punched yeah. in the head, I think you should be in it for the money. Also, if these are him and Coving him and Covington held out for more money when they were trying to offer them Madison Square Garden. So I don't know how much he's not in it for the money. And they only got five hundred G's. I mean, I would I love five hundred thousand dollars. They got a cut of the pay per view. Okay, let me just wait. Uh, um, Camaro got a cut of the pay per view. Camaro's manager is scumbag Ali Abdelaziz, and you can say a lot of things about uh, Ali Abdelaziz, but he makes sure his people get paid. So, um, co-main event. Max Holloway, Alexander Volkanovsky. Marcus made allusion, alluded to the fact that Max was really having a hard time. It took him a while, really, to put his foot on the gas. Um, I watched uh, Luke Thomas's breakdown. And Luke Thomas knows far more about breaking out the nuances of fights than I do. And he talked about um, that uh, gym of theirs in New Zealand. Um, I think it's called City Kickboxing, if someone can check while I'm talking where these guys train i'm him and i by these guys i mean um volkanovsky and izzy adesanya um and he was saying that the way these guys uh they enter and exit exchanges the way they move in the octagon is not is a style and the way they the pattern they go about it is one where he's never really seen anybody else do that in mixed martial arts i'm not smart enough to understand the nuances of that but it very much seems, Steph, like Max didn't know what to do with Alex for a lot of that fight. What did you think? Uh, pretty much, yeah. Like, you know, when we were talking about the fight, you know, I, I jokingly admit, like, I was totally just covering all my bases last week when I said it. But I think, you know, I said it with good reason. And as I watched the fight, it, it bared true. Is I said of the three title fights, the most likely to be an and new in my eyes was Volkanovsky. Um, I picked Max because I love Max. He's fun to watch. But the one thing I couldn't quite put my finger on is I wasn't sure what Volkanovsky did well. Like, he's very physically imposing. He's strong. He's athletic. But it was hard for me to see what he did well. And in a way, it kind of bared true. It's like, it's not that he did anything super well. It's what he, he, he like, canceled you out. Uh, you know, to take it to Mike, there is a character in My Hero Academia called uh, Eraserhead. Um, and his power is that he cancels your power. You know, it inherently isn't offensive. And that's really what Volkanovsky did here. I never saw, like, even in the way that he took a ass beating from, like, Dustin Poirier. Like, you get it, right? He's just getting punched up. He's just getting hit by harder shots. It's not like... You know, Volkanovsky was devastating Holloway. Is that Holloway could never find the rhythm. He could never get the timing. He can, you know, he's not a truly a one uh, strike kind of hitter. He, he's got to hit you by uh, volume. He's kind of a war of attrition guy, right? Like a Bisping, like a Diaz brother. He just kind of keeps kicking your ass through the round. And then eventually that big shot comes in just because you've been taking such a beating and he could never find that rhythm. He could never find that timing, never find that range. And Volkanovsky was great at, you know, for having the shorter in height and shorter in reach. He got in for quick one-twos, hooks, and he got out of the range really fast. Um, his his defensive footwork and movement was spectacular. Like, it wasn't like this 
destructive like domination but like at the end of it you're like yeah alex won this it, it was clear as day while at the same time not being like completely overwhelming so just if you're a fan of like defensive technique that was truly like a master class from volkanovsky um and those of you who are slightly confused stefan's referring to a different eraser head than that david lynch movie totally different thing just not on the same. what is that does it's a real, david lynch one that's real weird uh, that's uh, it's all it's David Lynch. Lynch movies. You don't know what even happens <laughs> in that one. Um, Marcus, um, we got to know as a new champ here. Um, sounds like we're going to run it back. Um, a thing that I think we all kind of discussed at the end. We're like, we thought, yeah, they're probably going to do a rematch here. What do you think of them running it back? And what do you think of Alex's performance? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it kind of makes sense. They would do a rematch. I mean, Holloway's stint as champion wasn't like super long, but I, I, I we didn't really hear a lot of the commentary. I guess Joe was just like, oh, this dude's the best featherweight champion of all time. And it's like, dude, Aldo like cleared the division out like a couple times and then he loses twice. You're like, oh, this guy's garbage, which plays into what we'll talk about later. But um, no, in fairness, he didn't call him garbage. He just said he thinks Max is the greatest featherweight champion of but all it's time. Just like that's, like he that's, whole thing. Like, that's two Aldo, different things, though. I mean, Max, I, well, I think we see this here is that we don't give Aldo enough credit because, and we don't give a lot of these long-reigning champion credit because this is the type of fight where I think Max kind of just blew it mentally. I don't think he was excited for this fight, much like the fan base, because Alex is a really new star onto the scene and just hasn't garnered a lot of attention. So, I mean, honestly, I was, I think Alex did a lot of good stuff in this fight. And I think Stefan is right. And I think a lot of the fan base is going to be right when they, when after this fight's over and you kind of look back, it's like, now what did this guy really do? Like, what was he really good at? And what he was good at is just, like I was talking about with Kobe Covington, dude was on the trigger all night. And it's not that, like, he had, because we've seen Max, he can do a lot of really high technical boxing where he's switching stances, fighting from Southpaw, which he had to do in this fight, going back and forth and mixing it up in that sense and just confusing his opponents. Like, when he fought Aldo, just, like, his output, the strikes that he's choosing, how often he's putting stuff out, just it just overwhelms guys. And that's what Alex did. Every time Max even had a second to kind of think like, okay, what am I going to do next? Alexander's blasting the low kicks. That first round was just all low kicks blasting him out. Then he had to switch stance. And when he switched stance, Max confused Alex for a little bit. It took Alex about half a round to be like, okay, he's southpaw now. My strategy has to change, but he adapted really well. And that's kind of what I saw. And like, when you look back at this fight, he definitely lost, but it was all about output. At the end of this fight, Max didn't, there was no round. There was no moment in this fight where I thought Max was in deep trouble. He was just getting outpaced the whole fight. And it wasn't until the fifth round where Max started to get a little bit more of his flow, where he was going forward and really putting pressure on him and getting shots off first. Do you think someone, that, do you think someone told him you're probably losing this fight? You got to go hit this know. motherfucker. I have no, I, I mean, because I didn't, I didn't get to hear the corner because we were, you know, we were watching it together. We weren't really listening to what was going on. Um, but I rewatched the fight. Just because I had to see like what exactly went, and it was just Alex did a great job breaking down that leg, making uh, Max have to fight from southpaw, and then him figuring out southpaw, figuring out that how he because what he started doing was he would step in with the opposite foot, basically go southpaw for a second himself, and then throw a big overhand right. Every time he stepped in, he was throwing big hooks, and he followed it up with multiple punches. It was it was just output. That's all this fight came down to. Alex was just outputting the whole night. And Max only got going towards the end of the fifth, and it was way too little too late. Um, so, I mean, I wouldn't mind seeing a rematch. I mean, Max really just has to dictate the next fight because I think he mentally wasn't there. He wasn't on the pedal. He let rounds just escape him. Honestly, watching this fight again, it was just like Alexander would throw like 15 strikes before Max would throw one. 
he didn't do anything with the low kicks. He he let him chew his leg up. He wasn't throwing jabs off it. He wasn't checking low kicks. He wasn't throwing straights off of it. He just ate them until his leg just kind of gave out. So for me, it was a very impressive performance for Alexander. Um, but really, it was just like Max just seemed off. Um, and that could just I, be because of the style. You know, to your point, Mark, I think we kind of noticed, we mentioned it while you're we watching, and I, that you're saying all this, I am remembering it, is like there were so many moments in this fight where Max like would take a hit and then he kind of laughs and it's like yes. playful banter and it's like get serious now like we're in the third round like stop doing this like oh that was a good shot like we're buddy buddy chummy like he was taking it really lighthearted that that, there, there that is a like mental thing shot. right where you're not thinking about I'm in the fight and I got tagged it's most like oh he got me there that's good yeah haha it wasn't until the fifth round. I was like, you got to stop doing that, dude. You're behind. You have to be solely – don't. it's no more of giving this guy credit or good job on that one or I dodged your punch because they were doing a lot of that. There was like a couple times Max would evade really well and, and Alexander would just whiff a big shot and they both laugh at each other. And it's like, this is fifth round. You're fucking down hard. You need to be really pushing the pace and trying to get this guy out there. And honestly, I mean, you'd have to ask Max. He would know better than anyone if there was an injury. But he just seemed off and it just seemed like he didn't get up for this fight. And I could understand that because this guy just isn't, you know, just on paper, just didn't have like. So you didn't see anything, Marcus? Probably to apologize for the interrupting you, but do you don't see any, you don't think anything about the way Alex was going in and out? Because again, I don't know it as well. I mean, Luke Thomas was just like, I don't understand. Or like, he's like, I've never seen a guys at a gym talk about Izzy and Alex, the way they make their entries and the way they make their exits and the angles they come at. Not even when they throw strikes, just their movement. No, I mean there, that was that was def that's part of what Alex did so well was he did a great job stepping in. But the thing was, Bobby, it's not just how he stepped in. It's like Max wasn't putting out a defense. There's he should have been sticking that fucking jab in his face anytime he steps in the pocket. You got to be hitting with that jab. No excuses. He gets in the fucking pocket. You you have the re you didn't really have the reach, and that's one thing that I think Alexander definitely he had a little bit of longer reach. But Max is definitely taller, which gives you the advantage. You can't let a dude in your pocket. Very true. You can't. You're not a guy like this. When he's throwing big hooks at you all day, you gotta fucking jab him. And he wasn't doing that. And it wasn't until the fifth round where he started, even started to establish that jab. So I mean, no, I think it. Alexander did a great thing because on the outside, chewed him up with leg kicks. That's what he needed to do. Max needed to establish that jab, and he didn't. So I think mm -hmm. I'm not trying to discredit Alex, but there was just like I didn't see Max put that pressure on Alex to make him try to change his uh, game plan at all. Mark, Mike, I think Mike. Uh, I think Max needed that type of fire. Well, uh, I was going to say, Mike, Mike, I'm about to ask you a question. I'd like you to match the energy me and Mark have brought to this podcast so far. Okay? I know it's late over there, but this is a real... We're talking with fucking intention on this podcast. Um, Mike, in the last uh, 12 months, I'm stretching back to December 29th, 2018 to get here. City Kickboxing, which you confirmed that was the name of the gym. So thank you for doing that for me. Have they have defeated the following people? Chad Mendez, Jose Aldo, Max Holloway, Anderson Silva, Kelvin Gastelum, Robert Whitaker. They got two oh. UFC champions. Okay, you Best made it seem as if City Kickboxing is a lot of people when you just really said two people. Well, they got I mean people. they got those two guys. They also have Kai uh, Kiara France. Who lost? Who, who lost, but was ranked number six in the world going into that fight against number five Moreno. So there's no shame in losing that one, quite frankly. But we got a gym here with two UFC championships. Um, best gym in the world right now? Well, I mean, that seems like a pretty simple answer for a very simple question. But 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's many other gyms in 2019 that can say they claim two UFC championships. Didn't Henry? Because I know Henry and his coach, they were pushing for team of I mean, the he, year. I mean, actually, well, technically, year. he's got two. That gym's got two championships, yeah, but too. You can't say it's team of the year when it's just literally one dude do, in there. Do they have anyone else that gym? He had, he had somebody else. Um, I, 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 that guy, I saw Henry's coach in another championship fight. I don't remember the person who won. Or I don't think they won. I think, I think you're right, Bob. Like, But it's also like this thing. This always happens at the end of the year. It's like what just happened gets like those biggest. Well, Henry, like, Henry really only won one happened. belt this year. I know, but I'm just saying like there could be some other team out there that did. Maybe they only got one belt and the rest of the team all climbed the ranks. You know, I mean, it's just hard because like. Yeah, I guess. I mean, examples, it's like, I Bob's can't think credit, of anything else. To Bob's credit, um, two people did win UFC gold this year. And uh, Kaivasa did lose on sun on Saturday. Kaivasa. But- Kaiva- what's his name? Kaikara? Kiara, I think uh, something France. I, Kaibasa, I was just like, do we introduce a new person into this? Like Kaikara France. <laughs> hey, there man, it is, Kaikara France. Mark be fucking up names all the time. Don't oh, ever get on here. No, you know what? Mark has the. We're going to get to her in a second, but Mark. I just keep going. I just keep no, going. No, no, Mar- Mark, uh, Mark's way of saying Jermaine Durand to me, we, I think we need to adopt as a podcast because he just combines all of it into one name, Durand to me, and it hits all of it. Like that's I what we're exactly calling. Who he's talking? Yeah, about. I know. It's not even a question. Like that is the person. Um, no, I guess maybe saying they're the best MMA gym might be me going like you know. Mark made a good point. Happens at the end of the year, maybe getting a little hyperbolic, but you, you got to get them maybe the best year. I mean, I'd say if nothing else. Really, a breakthrough year for that gym. For one, where we still don't know anybody's name who coaches out of that gym. Like that's it, well, they had quite a year, Steph. Right? Just, I mean, that's this is my hot take, Bobby. Gyms don't matter. Talent matters. They have two good fighters. Are they a good gym? Fuck if I know. They got two world-class fighters. John Jones could have gone anywhere, and he would have been great. Okay? I don't know that Greg Jackson is the reason John Jones is John Jones. A good camp helps. You want to have a credible camp. You want to have other fighters who can train. But talent is what right. Cream rises, Bobby. Rise to the top. You, Stop you saying don't you don't want. Says. You just don't want BJ Penn's gym. You just don't want to be at a shitty gym. If you're a talented fighter... You're going to be a talented fighter everywhere. Um, and I think that's what two of these guys are. Yeah. Um, all right. Um, Amanda Nunez, Jermaine Durandamy. People, I mean, I guess a good summary of this fight, Mike, would be Jermaine Durand. I mean, Jermaine Durandamy got pummeled for the entire first round. They might have been able to stop it. They didn't. Amanda was a little tired. And then she's like, hey. Jermaine doesn't know how to grapple on any level. Let me just take her down. And then she got another 10-8 in there from one or two judges later on in the fight. Well, I, I think you're oversimplifying this and make it seem as if Durandamine didn't, um, you know, do a good job on the stand-up. Because I think more the narrative of this fight is that um, by the second or third round, um, New Nunez realized that it was a bit of a folly to to just stand with Jurandamine. So she decided to start taking her down in the through the third and the fifth round. So I wouldn't say it was just that, you know, Nunez just, you know, whooped Jurandamine's ass, but just that she made a tactical decision that, yeah, um, as much better as Jurandamine got when it came to, you know, being a mixed martial artist, you know, Nunez is still able to take her down as much as she could. I don't think Durandamine got better. That's what I'm saying. I think she did. I mean, I guess she didn't get tapped out. Maybe I'm being a little really, really harsh. Steph, am I being too harsh? Um, I think there are positives from both fighters here. Uh, Durandami, 
It's toughness. It's defense, not getting finished, not getting worked. Does she have an absolute hole in her takedown defense? Yeah, but she didn't get subbed. You know, she, there was, she had a couple scenarios where she was there. Uh, Amanda could have gone for the arm and uh, the arm triangle. Like, you know, she was in it, but she didn't get squeezed out. She knew how to cover up. She never ate anything uh, too bad. So, you know, you want to give her, I, I do give her some credit. She, she defensively knew how to handle herself on the ground. She just couldn't stop the takedown or really get back up. But Nunez is a good grappler. And it wasn't Nunez's, like, you know, I think we all were expecting a finish just based on how the last thing went. But for a fighter who has had historical, like, gas tank issues, and they did show to an extent here, um, you know, eating too many shots, maybe not being able to have the finishing power on her own, she found the way to win, right? So it wasn't the most action-packed for kind of, we all thought, you know, Amanda was just going to starch her again. But it's a complete fighter who can win when she's a little tired, when she's a little fatigued, when the stand-up's not going her way. She had another avenue. So, I mean... It was again. It wasn't like yeah. I wouldn't I came watch it again, of, but I don't. I don't knock either one of the fighters for their performances. Marcus, I came out of this um, a little bit impressed with how Nunes handled herself because that second round started, and you could tell she'd slowed down. And once she realized she had an advantage in a certain area, she really settled in. I mean, granted, it would have been nice if we got a finish, and she didn't get tired, and we got a you know, and we you know we didn't have to go all five rounds, but. I thought she kind of showed some real intelligence there, to be no, honest. Yeah, no, I think I think Steph and Mike did a great job. You know, I think it wasn't just Nunes was like, oh, she can't wrestle. It was like, I can't stand with this woman. She is she was picking her apart. And I could tell in the first round that Amanda didn't really want to go to the ground. It seemed like she had something to prove because uh, Duranamine basically said, like, she's not going to stand with me. She's not. And and I think going into this fight last week, I was thinking, like, Man, I mean, I she dropped Amanda. her though, didn't she? I'm not trying to remember how she how we got to where we did in the first round where Jermaine was covering up. She dropped her, didn't she? I thought she took her down. No, I'm when she like when when it was like she was pounding on her, wasn't she? Did she drop? How did she get down? Anybody remember? I could be wrong. I just thought she dropped her. I thought it was a takedown off the. Um, I, I mean, I maybe you're right. I don't know. But Fair enough. Go ahead, man. Like Stefan and, and uh, Mike said, it was like one. Duranamine was, I mean, and I thought you know after Amanda Nunes starched Cyborg and Holly Holm, I was like. No one can stand with this girl. She's figured it out. She knows how to get in that pocket and throw that big overhand right and put you to sleep. And Dranamine showed like, nah, man, there's 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 steps to this stand-up game, and I'm above her in this. I am definitely below her in wrestling, and that cost her the fight. But like Steph said, and like you alluded to, Bob, we did see some intelligence here where Amanda really went for the, the finish in that first round, not just with ground and pound where she came close to finishing it, but also with the submission and was unsuccessful there and found herself in a really bad position in that second round. I'm tired, I'm fatigued, and this girl's going to whoop my ass standing up. I need to adjust the game plan. And she did. And that was really smart. You know, it, it, it didn't create the barn burner that I think we're hoping for. I definitely think it took a little shine off Amanda Nunez, who was just, I mean, still goat, but it's just like, before, unstoppable machine. Who can stop this woman? She's bulldozing everybody. And now we saw like, okay, you know what? She still has, you know, she's still human. You know, she can make mistakes. She can overexert herself. And she can get herself in a tricky situation, but she's also smart enough to utilize the full um, tool uh, bag that she has and pull out some of those skill sets that she doesn't have to use uh, often, which is like her takedown and her jujitsu. Um, and I think there, there's rooms for improvement there. Obviously, I think she could have ran a clinic on Jermaine on the ground. She had multiple submission attempts. She had good positions to strike. Um, but ultimately, you know, I, I think Amanda Nunes, this was a little bit of a learning experience. You know, she's not going to be able to go out there and just blast each girl out there. She has to be able to pick those moments and, and expose them. And if they don't come, find a way to get rounds. 
we're really grading her also now, given what she's achieved. We have a real expectation from her now, um, where she's blasting all these girls so quickly. When it does go longer, as you mentioned, people are like, oh, what happened here? And it's still a fight, ultimately, that she won four rounds and got a... What, and got a 10-8. This one judge, by the way, Dave Hagan, who didn't give a 10-8 to Amanda in the first round, doesn't need to be judging fights anymore. Like, what What the fuck? But anyway, she had a fight where she won four rounds, got a bunch of 10-8s in there, and we all still recognize, like, you know what? She could have done better, and it wasn't as dominant as other performances. Um, I mentioned this while we were watching that it kind of looked like uh, if she's fighting this next fight at Bantamweight, just looking at who's on that list of rankings right now, Marcus. Oh, it's updated now. Uh, Ketlin Vieira uh, kind of fucked that up, didn't she, huh? She ain't getting that title shot. I mean, speak about what a win for Aldana earlier yeah. in that card. I mean, literally ranked 12. She beat the number two girl, so that is a huge feather in the cap. But they're instantly talking about, like, you're fighting for the title. I was like, Aldana's UFC career has not been great, but whatever. I, that, that'd be a fun fight, so I'm down. Well, Aldana asked for it. That uh, is enough, you know. I, so I appreciate her confidence. Yeah, I don't. Well, yeah, I don't blame her at all. Well, the next ranked contender is Aspen Lad, which I don't think she's ready for that. I mean, I don't think anybody's ready for Amanda, just to be clear. But I really don't think Aspen Lad is ready to give her anything. To be honest. Unless, I mean, Mike, you feel otherwise? No, I agree with you completely. Um, Aspen Ladd is much too young to be facing Amanda. Uh, still way too inexperienced. I like where she can be in the next two years or so. But for right now, we are not ready for, you know, the first girl next door uh, UFC champion. Yeah, we're going to have to find her. So maybe we have Amanda defend that featherweight title. Um, she she said that's what she wanted to do for her next fight. That well, she, she kind of she hasn't defended it yet. Did she defend it against anybody? No, not yet. That Holly fight was bantamweight. Yes. Okay. Um, uh, Jose uh, Jose Aldo, Magic Marlon Marais, um, ended up being a fun one. Um, we all had our reservations. Those of you who follow the It's I'm Amazing Twitter account know that Mike went from complete panic when he saw Jose Aldo or Jose Aldo on Media Day to Jose Aldo at the weigh-ins doing that mean ass stare down. All of a sudden Mike had way more confidence. Um fight started, Jose Aldo got hit immediately, and it looked bad, and I'm like, oh fuck me, this is gonna be as depressing as we thought. Uh turns out Jose Aldo can, can fight at 135 pounds. Um Mark? Close fight. Um, I think at the end of it, we were just like, any scorecard is fine. Do you remember if you thought Aldo won or Moraes won? Uh, I mean, I remember thinking it was so close and just being like, just give it to Jose Aldo. Yeah, just that was like, fine. On the scale, give him the yeah, that was- <laughs> <laughs> Um, I honestly, I think the more relevant parts, interesting parts for this, Steph, is that if you take a step back and you think about what's happening here at 135 pounds is... Like, Frankie Edgar wants to go down to 135. Jose Aldo went down to 135. Dana White kind of sounded like he wants to give a title shot to Jose Aldo off of a loss against Henry Cejudo. It's C and, you know, Uriah Faber fought a number four contender and got knocked out. We'll talk about that in a minute. Does it sound to you, as it does to me, that the UFC really doesn't want to give a title shot to either Peter Yan or Aljamain Sterling? <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I guess... 
it's 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 kind of historically been a pretty unsexy division, right? Um, it's only just a hair more credible than like 125, um, and we're not even sure if that still exists, right? Like they haven't officially folded it. Someone, uh, someone tell Joseph Benavidez because he's been waiting for a title shot. I think for seven months now. Sorry, go ahead, Steph. Yeah, there's just no, there's not a lot of drawing power in that division right now. So I get it. It's it's why Uriah Faber is always one or two wins away from a title shot. Um, you know, like as ridiculous as it sounds, it's why Aldo probably won. And in this case, you know, it was close. Um, I for me as a big as a Maurice fan, I'm really disappointed in how he's really just a round and a half fighter. Like this guy fades. He has no jabs either. Fading. No jabs. Um, All fucking power shots. <laughs> yeah, it's like he's kind of like mini Vanderlei, but worse. You know, like he's very. I think you said you called him Tyson esque with his hooks and everything. But fuck, Tyson could go some rounds. Like Maurice, you had issues, man. You, you, like it's one of those. I, is it that Aldo looked good or did Maurice look bad? I I, I couldn't definitively say coming away from this fight uh mike what'd you think this is one of the fights i was not able to watch uh legally so i have nothing on the actual intricacies intricacies of the fight but you know i was i was sad to see aldo lose um mike you're when i watched the clips of it uh today during you're very choppy, Mike. Lunch. Um. All right. Uh, Mike, try to reconnect real quickly. Um, close fight. Let's just talk about the next band. Looked like fight. that, you know. Oh, geez. Mike's in us. Mike's stuck. Mike, he disconnect, reconnect. The first round. Someone message Mike. Stefan's lie, laughing his ass off in tears. He's on his own us. plane right now. <laughs> jumping into our dimension every now and then. Um, let's go to Peter Yawn and your right uh, Yeah, man, this is hilarious that Mike's just coming in and out. Right Mike, are you okay? Are you back? Bobby, got some type of administrator access where you can, like, boot him. <laughs> I think Mike's just stuck. Anyway, um... My feed just froze, huh? Yeah, that's the message Mike just sent me. Sounds about right. Um, okay, um, Peter Yan, Uriah Faber. Uh, Peter Yan's scary, man. <laughs> Peter Yan is real scary. He fucked Uriah Faber up, which is what you should do when you're a 400, a 4 to 1 favorite. But Steph, he fucked him up. Like, that was an ass whooping. <laughs> I, I mean, it was impressive, but like, I mean, it's kind of with Maurice and Aldo. Aldo, like I said, maybe Aldo had a great performance. Maybe Maurice really just had one of the poor performances of his career. Um, but coming away from both fights, I still felt the same. It should have been Maurice versus Jan and Uriah versus Aldo. Um, and this one was just more definitive. Like Uriah in, in the, in the pre-fight up to it in like his package, Uriah said like, you know, I talked to everyone in my camp. He's like, what are the cons of facing this guy? Just coming out of retirement. That's the only con. I'm like, no, Uriah, the con is a younger, faster, stronger guy just beats the shit out of you and takes some uh, years off your life. And that's kind of what we saw. Um, yeah, Faber, rough one for him. Uh, he negotiated a new contract with the UFC. They paid him 250 grand. So he got paid. But, um, he, I was listening to the co-main event podcast on the way here, Marcus, and, um, they made a good point where, 
Uriah Faber had two opportunities for a good retirement. Both of them were in Sacramento. And he won both fights, his last two fights. He wants to still compete. Um, he probably shouldn't be fighting guys this high up in the rankings, though, wouldn't you say? Yeah. No, I mean, it, it, this match was kind of ridiculous. I mean, you had, like, what was Peter Young, like, ranked two or threes? Like, dude's right there for a title shot. And, like, Uriah came back, and he had a great fight. He caught a young kid in a guillotine. You know, that's awesome. But, like, he's not a title contender anymore. He hasn't been a title contender for a long time. If we still want to kind of, like, roll out the favor train, hey, I'm all for it, but we need to match him up with Guys that aren't, you know, young prospects that haven't proven themselves to be fucking killers or just, you know, have, have guys that are kind of more in his age range that have, you know, have the wear and tear and that aren't, you know, chomping at the bit for a title. I, this was just bad matchmaking. I get it. Faber, his last fight, you know, he fought a young prospect and he won in, in good fashion. And Faber has a style that can be problematic for certain types of fighters that maybe aren't, you know, that great at grappling. But Peter Jan wasn't that guy. Marcus, he, when you mean uh, bad matchmaking... What do you mean specifically? Because I'm sure the UFC's logic was, let's get Peter Jan famous for beating up Uriah Faber on pay-per-view. I mean, it could be if that's their if that's what they want to I do. Mean, well, I don't know what else it would be because it's, it's a broken argument to think that they pay him so much he has to fight top contenders because that's not how this works. They pay him so much to get people to watch because he's a s star, for lack of a better term, in this division. But they don't. you're right. They don't have to book him against guys like this. I mean, I wouldn't. But if their if their plan was like, who can we get to mash up this dude to make them a star instead of promoting them? Because fuck, we don't want to do that shit. We'd rather just have them beat up old dudes. Uh, that hey, that that's their prerogative, and maybe this matchmaking is exactly what it was. Exactly. I don't, let's let's roll out. Who else is going to go for a title shot? Let's have them beat the shit out of Faber this week. I just it doesn't make a lot of sense for me. I mean, you have a guy that is kind of like somewhat of an ambassador who's been somewhat of like a face for your company to a certain extent, or your former companies with WEC. I don't really get the let's wheel them out so the young blood can just start carving their names in his side. That doesn't like that's not appealing to me. But really, at, at this point, you know, Faber in the UFC doesn't really appeal that much unless he's fighting guys that are of the same, you know, skill level, age, wear and tear in class that he is. And I even thinking you know, after seeing um, Aldo at 135, I think that probably would have been a bad matchup. I don't need to see Aldo style on him either. You know, I'm but, okay with that though, Mark. What if we just like send him and Aldo? I mean, look, he probably loses. He lost the first one. Aldo's still younger. Loses. I mean, I Aldo, 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 Aldo fought at 35. I'm like, yeah, he would have smoked. Well, him. Aldo's not as old as we all seem to think he is. And he's not like, as beat up as we think yeah. he is either. No, no, he only loses the good people. I mean, look, if they wanted, but if like, at least it'd be more of a reasonable matchup. You're like, we got these two old okay, stars. You know, you, know what I, you know what I'd see? You know what I want to see with Uriah? Dominic Cruz. You got a story there. Dude's knees fucked up. See, Dominic still thinks he's fighting for a belt. And so does Faber. So no, but like one of them, but one of them is, old, one of them is fight for a belt. Here you go, you little kids. And let well, them one of them literally, his last fight was him losing the belt. Like is that Dominic. Yeah, Dominic's just how many always. years ago was that? I don't know. All I'm saying is, That's if they want to put a, if they want to put a five round, then you can fight Faber again. If they want to put a five round Uriah Faber Jose Aldo fight on a fight night main event. Fuck it. Put it in Sacramento. Put it in Rio. You'll sell tickets. That makes sense to me. More so than this did. I'm agreeing with you, basically. He probably doesn't win that one either, but... Or, he I don't know. Charged. Yeah, Faber doesn't... This was the most... As, biggest ass-kicking I've seen Uriah Faber take in a very long... Since, like, Jose Aldo chopped him down like a tree. Like, that was the last time he got beat up this badly. And that was what? Ten years ago? Honestly? Eight yeah. years ago? Nine years ago? So, anyway. Um, 
let's just move on. Uh, UFC 245 was in the books. Mark mentioned a big undercard bit win for uh, Irene Aldana. Knocking out. Y'all got watch Chase Hooper's post-fight speech, man. Talks about going with his family to the M&M factory. Yeah, he's like 12 years old, Chase Hooper. <laughs> he, he's great. 19 years old. He's got the poofy curly hair. Ben Askren tweeted him, good job, son. It was perfect. I, it was I'm beautiful. not kidding. I saw the thumbnail with him talking to Ariel, and I literally thought, like, what did this kid win some contest or something? That's what it looked like. Yeah. Who is this guy? Um, big win for Jeff Neal, just whooping Mike Perry's ass. Um, shout out to Mike Perry getting $90,000 to show, though. Made me happy for Mike Perry. Made me think Mike Perry, Mike, sounds like Mike Perry's got his shit together a little bit, huh? At least getting uh, 90000 a show. <laughs> we're not getting that knockout because after he got, like, knocked out, he had just the massive look of confusion on his face. Like, he, it's one of those he literally did not know what he got hit by because, yeah, he he was just out of it for a few minutes there. Um, and for a guy I've never heard of, Amari Ahmedov getting 55 and 55 really just made me sad for Ben Saunders who got $35,000 to show. Because I feel I've been watching Ben Saunders fight for a good 12 years. On and off. Um, Mike, Jessica I missed weight so badly. She was closer to the next weight class than the one she was in. Do we even give her any credit for this victory? <laughs> You've muted yourself. You're still muted. Your microphone itself might be muted. There we go. Nope, that didn't do it. I'm going to presume Mike don't want to give her credit. <laughs> He's speechless over there. He's goddamn speechless, everybody. is Mike, Yeah, we can't hear you. If it's flashing, that means it's muted. Let's just move along, Bob. Let's move along. All right. Fight of the night, Usman Covington. Um, performances, Irene Aldana, Peter Yan. There we go. Um, I let's move on to some news, and there's really one piece of news. John Jones says he wants to. He, he's he's going to try to be a heavyweight in 2020. It sounds like. Cool. We, we don't know why, it. right? Is because uh, he wants to get the fuck out of Dodge of that uh, Izzy Adesanya. He's like, I gotta clear this light heavyweight. This kid's coming up to take my throne. Um. Yeah, definitely that. Um, Marcus and I talked about this, actually, um, Saturday, where I think it actually might be good for this division if we just, like, get John Jones the fuck out of the way and let all these young guys kind of get better and develop and maybe one of them becomes champion. And we don't have to live there, sit there being like, yeah, he's okay, but John Jones will ruin his ass. There's no John Jones anymore. I think it'd be good, honestly, for the division. What do you think, Mark? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, this happens anytime a, there's been a super dominant champion. Once they retire or they just can't compete at that level anymore, it opens up the field. And it makes the division interesting because light heavyweight is abysmal. Like, there is very little interesting things going on. We got a few prospects coming up, and then some of those didn't really pan out like Johnny Walker. There is a new generation coming up, but with the cloud of John Jones overhead, it's just like... It's hard to get excited in that division. It's hard for any of these matchups to make a lot of sense. We see a bunch of 85ers come up, and they get a couple fights, and then they're fighting for the belt. It's just like, it would not be bad to have a couple new champions in here. Like, it was kind of interesting when he was gone for a while, and DC Ooh. was champion. You're back, Mike. We see you. Right. We hear you. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited for John Jones to 
be challenged in some way. And whether that's he fights Izzy or he goes up to heavyweight, I want to see him actually challenged because I don't think he's getting challenged at light heavyweight. And I would like to see the field develop and have some stars because you're right, Bobby. What will happen is in three years, we'll get a new champion. If they're dominant, we'll start thinking, maybe he could have beat John Jones. Can I call my John Jones at heavyweight shot right now? Yes. Uh, we have Stipe versus Daniel in the trilogy rematch. Stipe pulls out a month before the fight. John Jones will step in to fight Cormier at heavyweight, and he will send Cormier out in a big ball of sadness. Um, well, that sounds pretty sad. Stephon's- also, just by the way, I hadn't realized that my microphone wasn't working for like the last, you know, eight to ten minutes. So when you guys were on your tirade on um, Uriah Faber, I kept trying to interject that I just thought you guys were ignoring me. <laughs> oh, we were. We saw you trying to talk. <laughs> no, that wasn't during favor. That was with. Uh, I yeah, think that's it was what, one... favor. Yeah, when you no, guys well, were talking about like uh, want... who is it good for? He wanted, no, when I... he wanted to pipe in a little bit. No, well, when I, you you started. Uh, your shit died when I first. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess you came back and it still didn't work. Um, anyway, um, let's pick some fights. Um, so I know you guys are all heavily. Uh, you guys as the audience are really heavily invested in who's gonna win our picks competition. So, this is the last UFC event of the year. So, this is how it's going to be. If at the end of this event, there's multiple winners, we're going to pick this Rampage and Fedor thing at the end of the year. That's the eliminator. Because, yeah. heaven forbid, there's a tie. Oh, you know what you're more realistic? is Fuck, like One of us is going to win and be like, you know no, what? No, 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 no. Let's, pick Bell. Let's pick this last one because I want a chance to get the, get the title. Okay, because I'm just dealing with people who just are complaining constantly. I take it back. We're oh, gonna no, have a draw at the end of this. Get, don't get me wrong. The first fight we're ass. picking. I would prefer that you know we just pick a whole bunch of events. Give we're picking for this card UFC whatever fight night in Wait, Busan. Bob, Bob the we're, people want an update on what the standings are. There was heavy movement this week. Yeah, this past Mike week. ate shit and he's in last place right now. Behind, he's two uh, behind. Excuse me, sir. Excuse me, sir. We all have our roles on this podcast. You do the you know it's some amazing yada. Yada yada, hey, and you're the host, does everything. Right? I do everything. Right. Mike has this one thing. Look, Go ahead, Mike. Look, Thank Mike's you. mic Thank is you. working. He'd like to speak now, guys. Come on. All right, you think I drank hot tea before the podcast? Just so I don't talk. Come on, dog. Anyway, after this past week, uh, Mark and Steph are tied at first at a a bit better than mediocre 58, 51, and two. That's that Bob roommate, is- oh, former roommate, psychic link. We know how to Bob, pick well. Bob is right behind them at 57, 52, and 2. And I am petering out like, uh, well, something that peters out not you, well at 56 had, had little, and 53 and 2. Mike, you had a little tortoise hair this year. You were going strong. It would have, You know what, man? It would have been fun if, uh, just for the sake of this entertainment, if Aldo had won, which he very easily could have. I think I mentioned we would have had the three of you guys with 57. And I would have had 56. That would have been a real entertaining ending. Just saying. Anyway. Uh, Frankie Edgar, Korean Zombie. Uh, main eventing this card in Busan. Steph, do you have the fight odds up? or? What? I do have the fight odds. What we are got... they? What? I was asking, what are they? Oh, yeah. We got uh, my main man, the Korean Zombie, at minus 170 to late replacement Frankie Edgar coming in at a very respectable plus 150. Uh, who do you got? There was only ever going to be one choice I ever made in this fight, even if it was against Brian Ortega, and I would have been scared shitless if it was against Brian Ortega. 
But uh, that said, if some of you want to make moves, I'm going to force you to have to pick the, that uh, Frankie Edgar because there was never going to be a way I did not pick Korean Zombie here in Busan. That's my man. Give him the title shot if you don't want to book Smack Holloway in a rematch. Um, is, like he like a one, is he on like a one-fight winning streak? What is Zombie on right now, honestly? He could be on a five-fight losing streak, Bobby. Book him in the title match. I do not care. Zombie is the best. All right. Mark. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Zombie, too. It, it is just hard to, to pick again, pick with Frankie. Um, I mean, he's a great fighter. Um, but those little those little arms are going to get him in trouble in this one, I think. You know, unless Frankie can initiate wrestling and can take him down, he if he can do that, if he takes uh, Korean Zombie down the first round, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be sweating a little bit. But if he can't do that, he's got to strike with this guy. Uh Korean Zombie just really knows how to use those long arms. I think he can get it done standing. And I just like the guy more. I don't know. I don't want I wanna I, I might deviate from Stefan, but it's not gonna be this one. Mike. I have no choice. I gotta pick Edgar. <laughs> Tough situation. Strateg- Strate- but to, to break this down, to break this down, to be serious. Strategically, for me to have any chance of winning, I have to pick opposite you guys. That's why I'm making Mike pick. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, honestly, um, that betting line's close, man. And, um, Edgar is what you said plus 150, Steph. Oh, sorry, I was not. Yes, it is. Um, he's got another fight booked in January, which I've continually said isn't going to happen. Because when you fight the Korean zombie, even if you beat the Korean zombie, you come out bloody. And quite frankly, Frankie Edgar doesn't look good even when he wins fights. Um, even that if being he was said, just going to Korea, I would be like, you know what? That's not enough time. Just a trip overseas. That's too much. You need more time to get acclimated again. Uh, I'll take Edgar. I Honestly, full training camp, I feel better about it. Um, I see it's weird. Either if Edgar had a full training camp or if Edgar was a late replacement like maybe a week and a half before the fight, I feel better about Edgar because he's such a different, like, Steph, he's a wild style difference from Brian Ortega. Like, like so a different style difference. Like, it's not even, like, comparable. Um, I'd almost want Zombie to have no time to prepare for him <laughs> or Edgar to have a lot of time to prepare for the fight. Um, yeah, I'll take Edgar. I, I will say, Bob, also, I think you like Edgar the most of us. I do. Just because That's there's it. been a lot of times where you're like, I wouldn't mind if Frankie fought a Connor or yeah, no, whoever. I don't. And I'm like, I do not want to yeah, watch no, Frankie I, I, fight any of these people. No, you're right. I like Frankie Edgar. I appreciate it. I like the Frankie Edgar just like, man, it's not always the most entertaining fight. The motherfucker shows up and starts throwing. And I never think Frankie Edgar has more left in the tank when it's over either. It's kind of like Bisping where I'm like, That's all he had, man. What do you want me to do? What else do you want from the man? Um, yeah, I'll take Edgar. Um, co-main event. Uh, Alexander Rakic, I can't say, Arasic, I don't know how to say his name. Motherfucker's good. Uh, taking on the, uh, old Alexander Rakic, Volkan Ozdemir, the old prospect. Um, the betting line for this one, Steph, what do you got? It is, sorry, um, in my screen, um, we got Vulcan as the slight underdog at plus 125 to Alexander Rakic's Minus one forty five, so almost a coin toss. Um, to give you guys some context here, Volkan Ozdemir is coming off of a big knockout win over my guy Ilar Latifi, the sledgehammer, the legend Ilar Latifi. Um, 
Rakic or Rasic um, is 12 and 1, 4 0 in the UFC with wins over Francimar Barossa, Justin Ledette, Devin Clark, and Jimmy Manoa. He's not quite, he's not quite at we, the UFC brings him to your, this country to fight yet. Um, but he's 27 years old, 12 and 1, uh, fucking light heavyweight. With you, know, nine- you know, the thing I'm, I'm noticing about him as I look at his record is uh, he's the f- type of fighter that prospect I was jokingly shitting on when we were watching the card on Saturday. Remember when I said I don't I like pure undefeateds. I don't like these guys who lose a submission early because they haven't learned grappling yet. Uh, that is first exactly, fucking fight. That is exactly this guy's career. Yeah, he lost by a guillotine in his first fight, and then he knocked everyone else out. Like, um, uh, he's huge. Real yeah, talk. I didn't know recognize his name. I, I pulled him up on Google Image Search, and I'm like, "Who the fuck is this yeah. guy? This guy is. This is a man that if Bobby's brother Nikki saw him, he would be like, well, this guy's probably the best fighter in the world.' Like, That's a fair assessment. He, he is a physically impressive man. The best part of the card, by the way, for me was when Usman was standing next to his uh, brother, and uh, my brother texts me and just says, "Ah, oh, they look like us." No, they don't. <laughs> Not even a little bit. That's what. Hey, Robbie. That's how Nikki sees you guys in his head. Yeah. <laughs> enjoy. Well, enjoy that. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Mark, who do you got in this one? Well, I mean, this is where I was going to take my stand with Stefan, so I don't know who he's going to pick. So it's going to be hard to do that. Well, you can always change it, but like, you okay. Know. Well, I'll pick whoever Stefan doesn't pick. Stefan, who do you got? Just because I'm tied for the lead, I gotta take the lead on all the fights. I, I'm giving you no. Yeah, pick, uh, pick, pick, pick. you Mark, guys Mark, all have Mark, access to the picks. You can Mark all change it. Mark wants to be different here. Um, I was gonna take Vulcan at the start of this, and then I did uh, some ten minutes of half-ass internet research on Rakic. And did you hear me when I said he looks like the most physically impressive man in the UFC? Because that is accurate. And uh, yeah. Uh, Man, both these guys knock people out in the first round. So well, what I love is second, but, they have a common opponent in Jimmy Manua, and they both knocked him out in forty-two seconds. <laughs> so hey, you know it's like uh, what was it the Usman and Colby were virtually identical on paper? Yes, I'm gonna take Rakic and hope that he is a thing. We've already kind of seen the uh, ceiling on Vulcan, so I'd like to see. I mean, he's born in '92. This is a young kid for the division, so. Um, it's it's like a it's like uh what's his name Dominic Reyes it's like uh Johnny Walker I just want to see that new generation that you weird guys were talking about just a minute ago Mark oh yeah I'll take Ozdemir um I, honestly when I looked at this and I looked at um Alexander's record I was like oh this guy's good this is a close match I I didn't want to pick Frankie Edgar in the first one but I was comfortable picking either one because I I kind of feel like it's a toss up because I mean Alexander. Uh, younger, better record. He hasn't quite fought the caliber of guys that Ozdemir has, but we've seen Ozdemir not look super great. So I think this is a really close fight, and I'm willing to put the title on the line for it. Mm. Marcus, showing he has balls. Mm. Um, I got I got Rasich or Rakic too, because I'm I was I'm, I'm part of me was thinking like I should just say these two guys are fighting, not bring anything up, and maybe they won't notice that he's just a prospect, and they'll all pick Ozdemir. Um, Mike, who do you got? <laughs> Yeah, fifty. You, you, shot you might as well. You might as well pick. Uh, yeah, there's no like. There's no strategy here. Uh, there's always a strategy to this. There's always a strategy, Bobby. Um, in this case, um, I had to choose. Now that they've gone their separate ways, I had to choose which one of the people in first do I decide to go the opposite way on. Right. <laughs> 
So who does Mike really fear between Mark and myself? It's who does about, he think it's, it's got it's the It's not about the fearing, but I got to be consistent the whole way. It's either going to be I'm going to end up in first or last. This is how this shit is going to work. So I'm, I'm going to go. I want the chance to beat Mark, so I'm going with Rockage. Good pick. I, I didn't really follow the logic entirely there. But, yeah, I got uh, lost in the there, but... <laughs> yeah. Um Last one we're picking, because despite some of our best efforts here, we can't justify picking a lot of this, because... I don't know who these people are. None of us do. Um, all I can say is something I've said many times. Go down there and find the... You see Alexander Pantoja is on this fight. Watch Pantoja versus Davidson Figueredo. A fight that Mark and I have mentioned. Mostly me. Multiple times. It was a good time. Anyway. Uh, the final fight we're picking. Charles Jourdain versus... Doho! Doho Choi. Um, the return of the legend. I sent that he was, I sent it to, uh, now friend of the podcast. I'll say it. I don't care. Uh, Austin Creed, aka, aka Xavier Woods of WWE, who loves himself, do some Duho Choi. I said, Hey, Duho's fighting. And he got real excited, as I am, as Stefan is, as Mark is. Um, Mike's picking this up. Mike's not picking Duho. Mike, why don't you tell us all the things you know about Charles Jordan? All right, so this is what I know about Charles Jordan. <laughs> you guys are picking Duho, so that's why I'm picking Charles Jordan. Oh, you know what? Oh, man, I was like, Mike, is uh, he just got back into having to pick against the second biggest favorite on the card. Uh, Duho, by, by the way, this guy has a nickname. His Latin is his name, Charles Jordan. I'm going to give you guys all one guess as to what his nickname is. Stefan, you a- go first. Anthony. Sir. His name is Charles Jourdain. The pain. Stephon, one, Bring okay, pain Mike, 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 did you look? If you didn't look it up, do you got one? Do you have a guess? I have not looked it up. What was the name of Anthony Bourdain's show? No Reservations. <laughs> that is a great nickname, though. Holy shit. If someone comes out with the nickname No Reservations, I am getting his merch. No question. No Reservations. Charles, no Reservations. Jourdain. I like it. His, his name is Charles Air Jourdain. Which he might pronounce as Jordan. <laughs> the more I look at it. Okay, but... you're giving me Jordan. That's why you're like... It's J-O-U-R... J-O-U-R-D-A-I-N. I don't know how I'm supposed to pronounce that. See, <laughs> so my first premonition was actually more along the right lines where I thought he would be like Sir Charles, like Charles Barkley was uh, infamously referred to if he's heir. Yeah, you were on the right track, quite frankly. Um, so uh, this guy is 9 and 2. 24 years old, uh, coming to you from uh, Quebec, Canada, but not training at TriStar. He's 0-1 in the UFC, lost the decision to Desmond Green. Desmond Green's an okay fighter, not really on Duho Choi's level. Um, if for some reason you guys don't know why we love Duho Choi on this podcast, it's because Duho Choi's the fucking man. Like, Very polite. He's just a yeah. polite, good fighter. Uh, Duho Choi... Now that I look at it here, man, like he was, he came out like a supernova, just knocking motherfuckers out. Then he ran into Cub Swanson, who was about that life, and Cub Swanson beat his ass. No, I think Duho might have won one round in there, but that was fight of the year in 2016, I believe we gave it to. Many of us did. Then he didn't fight for an entire year because, quite frankly, the amount of trauma he took, probably for the best. Um, then he fought Jeremy Stevens, and Jeremy Stevens knocked him out in the second round. It wasn't military uh, service. He didn't do that. I think he's still. I think he's still in his military service, and he might have. Where did he fight? Where was that? The fight with Stevens. I was in Missouri. I don't know. 
quite frankly, but when he did it, when he has or did or didn't do his military service, because he fought in January 2018. 14 and 3, he's 28 years old. Uh, the Korean Superboy. Um, where we all got, we all got him, right? Except for Mike, just so I'm clear. Had necessity. Yeah. Um, I will say I don't uh, have you know having you know I, I look up the lines on this fight. I mentioned uh, Duho is the second biggest favorite. I have no idea who either of these guys, but there is someone named uh, Cyril Gain on this card who is a minus eight hundred favorite. So maybe that guy is supposed to be somebody. Yeah, let me look but, that guy up uh, since we might as well talk about him now. We could be we're going to be ahead of the game, and it's amazing. And he's we're not going to wait too. He's five and zero heavyweight. The other guy looks like he won a tough man competition. Mm. Outside of a trailer park, I mean, better uh, than the guy who won the Mountain Dew competition to take on Jack Hager. Okay, well, this guy's got two UFC fights, two finishes against two heavyweights I've never heard of. Uh, he's fought in TKO, which is not nothing. I've heard of that place. And the guy he's fighting again looks like he won a tough man competition. So, uh, I don't know the ramifications of what happens if I'm all right or who's all right with all these. I think I'm pretty sure who took Rasich. Me, so Bobby might tie with me, or no? I I, I, I would tie. Take uh, Rasich as well. I took Edgar. So if Edgar wins, and I, I would tie with you at that point. Yep. Anyway, um, all right, guys, um, let's do stuff we like. And this podcast is already like an hour and ten minutes, so move it along. Let's move it along. Um, let's. This is a good opportunity for me and Stefan to tell you, and Mike too, to tell you, you really should watch Watchmen. It was the season finale. Um, it's, I, I fucking love this show. It was an excellent season of television. And check out PDpedia when you're, uh, when you're watching the show. It is the online site that HBO created with documents that help fill in some of the gaps. Um, very nice. Yeah. It's really good, quite frankly. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say, Steph. It's an excellent show and the season ended well. I mean, yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't want to give spoilers to it because it's a show that it's really traveling by word of mouth. You know, um, it's one of those things. You, if you had a background with it, you're probably telling people to watch it. But honestly, a lot of people haven't, particularly the younger generation. It, it just isn't as known of a property for them. Um, so, you know, I had some complaints, not complaints. That's the wrong word. I had some disagreements with the um, finale, more so just in a fan sense of like certain events, how they played out. In my head, I probably would have enjoyed seeing him play him out differently. That isn't to say that I disliked anything that I did see. You know, that's kind of the fun, right? You kind of hope things end a certain way. Maybe they do or they don't work out. But um, kind of as Bobby said, God damn it. I can't get through a podcast right without being uh, disconnected by a dog. Uh, <laughs> Lope is just straight using her pod to disconnect me right now. Um, I said to Bob, it's that was one of the best singular seasons in TV history. Um, you know, there's a lot of different shows out there that some go good, they fall apart at some point. But if you just put it in a vacuum and say this one season of TV, I would put that season up against pretty much any show you want to throw out. Um, First it really is of heroes. Oh, uh, I don't hold heroes that high. I would put it up against first season of Lost. First uh, season of True Detective was pretty fucking great. Yeah, I mean, these are the competitors. Um, I have a whole rant about heroes. I'll, I'll give that to you another time, Mike. We're running long. But, um, yeah, just singular front to back, 
Um, there are some genuine masterpieces in this season, and even the the smaller episodes are still pretty damn good. So Regina King is a fucking excellent actress. Just putting that out there. Like she's getting credit. I will give my one complaint about her. Um, I don't know if you ever any of you guys used to watch any of those American Horror Story seasons, um, but the uh, main actress on that one who kind of recurred. I know a lot of them recurred season to season, but Jessica Lange. Main, no, no, Sarah Paulson. Sarah Paulson. Um, I absolutely could not stand Sarah Paulson's screaming voice, and I feel the same about Regina King. Their screaming voice is so the opposite of like ear candy. Like it is just like. It's so. Is, it's just very cringe-inducing for me. Is it just? Uh, but a lot of times while you're watching Watchmen, could you guys get it out of your head, or is it just me? Like, this is Riley and Huey Freeman. No, I because I, I never, I never, I never watched. I never like Boondocks. Never like, I never had it where I thought that was like her because the voices they picked for Boondocks, I felt like the way she did the voices, literally matched. How I thought those characters would sound when I read the comic strip. More so than anybody else, of course, was Granddad. Well, when I read the comic strip, I'm like, if they ever do a show, they should get John Witherspoon. And then they announced the show, and I think, I've definitely talked to Stefan about it, where I said, they should get John Witherspoon. And then they got John Witherspoon. And Regina King was just great. But yeah, um, anyway, we talked about Watchmen seven million times on this, uh, on this podcast. You should, you should, if anything's clear, you listen to this podcast. We're telling you to watch Watchmen and go to Trader Joe's. Um, Steph, you got anything else this week? Um, I can leave it at that for the most part. Um, I will say I'm thankful for uh, 24-hour vet services. Um, the fellas know, kind of as we wrapped last week's episode, um, my little puppy kind of had a bit of an accident. Um, I had to take him to the vet. Vets are very expensive. Uh, one thing I don't like is uh, just everything medical in our country. It is a sham how much everything costs. Um, healthcare for profit is immoral. But that I have a 24-hour facility near me that I was able to take my pup to. I'm definitely happy for that. Mike. Well said, sir. Well said. Uh, so two things for me this week. Uh, the first one is that I started watching an anime that I've heard a lot about for um, God knows how long. Um, tell me if you if you guys have heard this one before. I'm pretty sure Bobby hasn't. Really more talking to the other two. But I started watching JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. I mean, if you just exist on the internet, you should at least know what JoJo is. That shit has been so memed. And I believe like half the people who meme JoJo have never seen an episode of JoJo. But that's just been going on for a minute. Yeah. What What's kind of funny is, and Mike, because Steph, you never watched it, right? Could, uh, I, I have no idea what it seasons, is. Like years ago, but it's resurgence and boom. I haven't seen yeah. any of these more. But, I mean, I, I, li- so I didn't know anything about it, but aren't the characters, Mike, all based off of like, like legendary rock bands, like Izzy Pop and shit. That's what I heard. It's like, they're kind of. I haven't gotten that sense before, but now that you've told me that I'm probably going to be looking more into that. I have but, no idea what you guys are talking about. Yeah, I kind of assume that much. It, it's a more, well, the dude said that if you've been on the internet, you would know what it is. I have no idea. <laughs> but, so uh, JoJo meme. I'm about 14, 15 episodes in. Um, really enjoy it. One thing that I'd always read online was that um, as opposed to other animes such as Bleach, Naruto, or uh, Dragon Ball Z, where it'll just be a... Oh, so cute. Look at that dog. Uh 
where it'll just be a collection of who just gets more powerful than the other guy to beat the the villain in jojo it's actual um intuition and the intelligence that's used normally to to defeat the uh, the enemies so it's a uh, it's a really fun anime to watch so far about 14 15 episodes in and the other thing i have this week bob is funny you would mention that one of the things that if you watch this listen to this podcast enough that we uh say always go to trader joe's um well the other thing is something from trader joe's if you guys haven't tried the korean bibimbap from trader joe's it is excellent it is delicious you should frozen? try it the korean bibimbap frozen section that's right delicious i mean everything's good at trader joe's what do you personally like to eat go find whatever trader joe's version is of it you'll love it if you guys want to support the podcast go to trader joe's and buy the horseradish and chives chips because the horseradish flavored chips tend not to last at that place and i'm trying to create a groundswell a cult follow oh uh <laughs> other thing from trader joe's i bought during the last week that was excellent is the spicy hummus which spicy hummus i don't know it just has spicy hummus on the front it's trader Fair joe's. Enough. Well, what do you want from me fair enough um yeah trader joe's is great marcus Actual recommendations from you. Uh, yeah, I mean, um, so not much on games, especially this late in the year. Um, there is one game I'm kind of interested in, actually reviewed pretty well when reviews came out today, called uh, Wadham. This is an indie game that's going to be on PS4, and it's from the creator of Katamari Damacy. So that guy's kind of weird and out there, and this game is very weird and out there. Um, but yeah, it got it actually reviewed pretty well, so I'm kind of interested in that. But mostly, I guess I was just going to shine a light um, last week. Uh, was the Game Awards, and I'm a big fan of the Game Awards, mostly because I've been watching it for a long time, and they were, the Game Awards were actually being produced by Viacom, who owned game trailers, which when, when they went to bunk became Easy Allies, who are my boys, and I've always been kind of weirdly proud of Jeff Keighley, who kind of runs the whole show, he hosted, and basically, you know, he's a producer, director, and all that shit, um, and basically once Viacom kind of threw the backing, or took the backing away, he was just like, I'm going to still do this and kind of has done it independently on his own. And the show used to be a lot more cringeworthy than it is now. It has progressively gotten better. I don't think this show, this year's show was the best that they've had. I think last year's and the year uh, before was actually really probably a little bit better than this one. Oh, uh, yeah, but it was still really good. A um, couple of things that you might have heard of. They revealed the new Xbox, which is called Xbox Series X, which is going to be the next generation of Xbox. It. Can they just have like a consistent naming scheme? Well, the, the naming is the worst part of it. Cause I actually think the, the system itself just kind of looks like a PC tower or kind of like a monolith as they're kind of like trying to like advertise it as. But yeah, the series, cause even when they, they showed the system and they, they said like, Oh, and this is the Xbox series X. And for a second, I was like, so it's like a new Xbox one. And that's not, and then they said holiday 2020. I was like, okay, so that has to be the next gen. And then Phil Spencer, who's running the gaming division of Microsoft, came out and basically said, yeah, that's the next generation. They showed um, Hellblade 2 from Ninja Theory, which is a new developer that they acquired. Um, outside of that, there was a lot of CG trailers that are kind of cool and flashy, but not a lot of like meat on the bones. They did show a new trailer for Ghost of uh, Tsushima and uh, have a kind of release template of summer 2020. So not a hard, solid date, but a general date to expect that game coming out on PS4. Um, and then outside of that, I would just recommend, I think, Churches. Um, they wrote a new song for Death Stranding, and they performed it at the Game Awards. And I actually thought that performance was actually really cool. Um, so I definitely checked that out. And overall, the Game Awards were kind of fun. Um, and it is fun because one of the easy allies, uh, Kyle Bossman, um, is a not a 
producer, but he's like a consultant for it. So it's always fun to hear him talk after the fact. If you listen to last week's Easy um, Allies podcast, he kind of gives you some behind the scenes stuff. That was kind of fun. It was very funny because throughout the whole thing, they kept talking. Um, Jeff Keighley, who runs the show, kept mentioning like, oh, and later tonight, we're going to have uh, Reggie Fizeme, who used to run Nintendo, but doesn't anymore. But they mentioned him like eight times. And during the podcast, they're like, why do they mention Reggie? And Kyle was like, well, one of the producers asked me, he's like, are we overproducing? Are we over like hyping Reggie here? And he's like, no, no, no. People love Reggie. They want to hear about Reggie. So it was very funny to get criticism from their own outlet about something that Kyle had a hand in, like them overproducing. So that was kind of fun. But um, yeah, that's I all like I got. Reggie. Who doesn't, who doesn't like Reggie? Who doesn't like Reggie? But it doesn't need to be mentioned. Like every break was like, and later tonight, Reggie. And it's like, okay, we get it. It's a bit much. But it was Bob, fun. I got a quick one, if you don't mind. Go ahead, man. This Thursday, the rise of Skywalker. I know it's not been very fun to be a Star oh, Wars yeah, fan in recent Wars. years, but I've been loving the Mandalorian. I have, I enjoy the franchise still. You know what? I'm not going to let all the people who want to see things fail bother me anymore. I like Star Wars, goddammit, and I'm seeing that movie on the premiere. I've got my ticket for 9.45 on Thursday. 6.30? p.m.? 6.30? I don't remember which one we bought, but we're We're getting there. We're going to see it at basically the same time. Yeah, we're going to see each other at the end of it. We're getting out at the same time. You know what? If it's 6.30, Stefan, I'm definitely buying pizza beforehand. Let me tell you that much. We've got a slice of pizza before. I'll see you at the pizzeria. Um... Yeah, um, I think it's been it's a great time to be a Star Wars fan. It's way better to be a Star Wars fan now than we were than it was during all the prequels when we were kids. Oof. This is great. I even like the last one. I don't give a shit. We're on a I'm excited to see this one. Dude, I'm, I like the last one. I like the one before that. I like Sol- I like all these movies. I like I like I like all these movies. I like some of them more than others. I walked out of all of them and said I had a good time. Moving on. Um, yeah, we're probably gonna talk about Star Wars a lot next week. Unless Mark has not seen it. I probably and, will not. In which case, we will end the podcast with Star Wars, maybe. Or we'll see what we do. Um, real quickly, before we go, I want to take back all the nice things I said about Frankie Edgar. Because I'm reading that he is... <laughs> that he is... That is well, because I got to pick him still. He's a good fighter. Hey, but I'll say the same thing about that motherfucker uh, Covington. He's a good fighter, too. Uh, Frankie Edgar, or... Possibly Ali Abdelaziz running Frankie Edgar's Twitter account appears to be anti-vaccination, which means he's real stupid. Hey, hey, real don't you stupid. dare bring your disease to my Chansung Jung, okay? Yeah, my man's healthy. All right, get that. Shit. I was gonna say the people in North in uh, is he vaccinated? They may not let him into South Korea. He might lose like, When you travel around, you have to get vaccinated. How can he not like? He's probably gotten some shots before. What a weird stance to take. All right. Uh, good job, he's Frankie. also he's also taking money Although, from in fairness, guys. Um, these guys are in their thirties and forties. Oh, I am muted. Oh no, no. We these guys to- in their thirties and forties. So their parents were sensible and got them vaccinated. They're just putting their children at risk by not getting them vaccinated. And they're putting the rest, all of our children at yeah, risk. Yeah, but these <laughs> kids are all fucked anyway. So disease, climate change, take your pill, whatever you want. Uh, Chris Weidman, Chris Weidman, also anti-vax. So all these guys who you said, man, they've taken a lot of damage over the years. Yes, they have. It's affecting their brains. They shouldn't fight anymore. Real fucking stupid. All right, we'll be back next week. We're going to talk about Star Wars, probably. 
Uh, we're gonna crown our. We're gonna see if we have ourselves a picks champion. If I get my shit together, we're gonna pick our fighters of the year. But more realistically, we won't. So that might be in two weeks. So <laughs> thank you all for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. Um, I was Doctor Law. That was Kid Presentable. That was DJ Mark, and that was Lavender Gooms. See y'all next week. Thanks all for listening, and peace out. Peace. Cheers. Cheers.